everyone to QuizCast number 14. Uh, it's been approximately one and a half years uh, since we started recording these QuizCasts. And I'd really like to thank all those who have volunteered to take part over that time. Um, in particular, JKS and Dimigod, who have appeared in most, um, of, though not all, of the at least one of them has appeared in most, if though not all, of the Coiscasts, um, but especially to the incomparable AC, uh, without whom none of these recordings would have been possible. Um, and I know how much a lot of a lot of Coisers enjoy uh, these recordings. So on with another one. Today's panelists are Storts. Hello, uh, back for not the only hat trick today, my third time. So thanks for welcoming me back. <laughs> and a first timer, a rookie. To the podcast, which is Farsight. Oh, yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, yeah, first one today. So, yeah, hoping I don't make too many gaffes. I'm sure you will. I mean, won't. Um, and I, I would introduce AC, but uh, he's a little under the weather. So, I'm not sure whether he's going to even say hello. We'll try it. And AC. Hi. <laughs> well done. Good job. Um, so, we're going to get straight on. We've got a packed mailbag. We'll go through it as best we can. Um, apologies in advance if we don't get to your question or if I forget to say that the question was from you. It, we really do appreciate them. It's definitely the best part of the uh, cast is your contributions. So we'll start off with um, a question from King for King, which is how good are we really in a European context? It, it seems that the distance between English teams and the best in Europe is very large, especially when you factor in the resources those top-level clubs have? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in on this one. Um, I think I think it's a case, firstly, we're quite naive in Europe. I mean, you just have to look at Pochettino's record to see. It's head and shoulders. We're head and shoulders above people in the league, but when it comes to Europe, we can't seem to find our rhythm or our groove. Too many games we're off form. I know Poch said in the week, didn't he, that he can tell after, what is it, 50 seconds if we're going to have a good game or a bad game. And it seems in Europe we tend to have those bad games more often. And you can tell from the start. Um, I think people work on game plan better in Europe. Um, I think we struggle to adapt to some of them sitting deep and just nullifying how we like to play. Um, and I do think we need to work on that in the future. Your thoughts, Farsight? Yeah, I think it's a tournament football thing as well. It's a completely different style of play you've got to get, particularly in Europe, but... Um, you'll find a lot of teams are a lot more compact, a lot more organised. Players know their roles really well. There's probably less room for expansive football, and I'd say that's particularly the case in Europe as well. And I think that's probably something we struggle to do from a coaching side in Pochettino, because that's probably one area where he hasn't had a lot of management experience, but also the team as well. We've probably got less tournament experience, particularly uh, you know European tournament experience, and potentially some of the some of the big boys that are kind of going on and winning a lot of games as well. And to be honest, I don't think our squad depth and strength really helps either. Um, it does seem like we're playing the same players every single week. And, you know, is there a question of lethargy? Is there a question of different tactics? I, I think it's, it's several things at once, which means we're not going 100%, really. I think that's a really good point on the squad depth. I don't think we utilise... I, firstly, I don't think we have the players to be able to make these wholesale changes that we have done. And secondly, I don't think we utilise the players we have in the right way. Um, the changes, for instance, the Gent, Gent away game, why did we play that system? I mean, the players we had in that team were not suited to how we wanted to play. 
That's right. I mean, you can't just swap player for player. I think, you know, we do need to almost completely change, not even completely change, but, you know, we do need to adapt a different style of play to accommodate the players. You can't force players into a system. You need to change the system to accommodate the, the fringe players. You know, the likes of NG last year uh, and Kudu this year, you know, you can't play them in the same formation we used to. So, you know, if you want to get them guys involved, uh, you want to, you know, save a fresh pair of legs uh, for, the, for the league with some of the kind of more regular players, you're going to have to adapt and change the system. And maybe that's something where, Pochettino needs to learn, and then we need to use yours as well better. Thanks. Um, the well, I just realised the next the next one that came in. I'm doing these in chronological order. Uh, well, there's two or th- three actually that I could sort of put together. But it, it said another prof coys rant, please. And the next one said, can we have some more profs peeves in the next coys cast? I, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm extremely mild mannered. I'm sure I don't rant. Um, but I'm sure there are questions that are going to come up that I will rant about. And uh, the next one, I'm, I'm just going to take this one on my own because it drives me crazy, which is uh, he wrote, why do players announce their retirement from international football? What's the point? Yeah, I have no idea. A little bit of attention. I have no idea at all. It's completely beyond me. Why announce your retirement? I'm going to announce my retirement from international football, I think. I'm going to call a press conference and announce my retirement. Oh, John, makes no sense. Do anything uh, too hasty, Prof. <laughs> You're right, I've got a few good uh, minutes left in me. Exactly. Let's not rush to anything. They <laughs> do it so they don't like think, so that the media don't go and think that this player's been left out of the squad. You can they just do it just to, you know, almost get their point across that, oh, do you know what, it's my decision, I've decided to leave. It's not just a case that this manager, that manager's left them out. Is that a yeah. possibility? I think that's exactly right. I think it's just an ego, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just a yeah. point of, well, you, you haven't dropped me, I've decided I don't want to play for you. Mm-hmm. You can just imagine some of the media having a bit of a field day, you know, like, you know, maybe the David Beckham scenario with uh, McLaren when he left him out. You know, um, if, if the player comes out and says, I'm not going to play, you don't have that whole kind of press kind of uh, thing in the background, you know, creating a stir where potentially there isn't one. You know, maybe the manager and the player have come to some kind of an agreement already. I, I don't know how then, how do players survive every, everywhere up to the last six or seven years? They managed to cope. Um, with the end of their international careers without needing to announce it. Somehow they coped. Mm. Um, perhaps it speaks more to the fragile egos of, of modern footballers, says the 95-year-old prof. Um, next question is, again, an amalgamation. The first one was sent in by CDCD. Uh, it's about uh, Eric Dyer, as you can imagine. And, and here is the, the sort of um, conflation of the questions. Uh, do you see Eric Dyer as better off as a midfield partner to Wanyama, as a backup DM, in a back three or in a back four? And then there's what has happened to Eric Dyer and was last year the Mirage or is this is this season the anomaly? So we'll start off with you, um, Farsight. I think the thing with Dyer is his best position is def- defensive midfield on his own because he, he you know, he plays the ball quite well. He's really good at kind of intercepting play in a kind of a Michael Carrick kind of a way. Uh, but also he does shut down players a bit like a Scott Parker. I think the problem is when Yama's come in and he's playing really well and he's playing in the same area of the pitch, and it's quite difficult to accommodate them both. So it's an either-or scenario. And if it's a case that Wanyama plays, then he's probably got to be second choice because I don't really see him as a centre-half or, you know, back-up, left-back, right-back, whatever. And I think as we saw against Ghent the other day, against Ghent the other day he's probably not suited to a back three either. I, I just think he's a, he's a defensive midfielder. That's, in my opinion, his best position. Uh, and I think it's just a shame for him overall that, you know, Wanyama's come in and played so well and at the moment it's pretty undroppable. I think it's really... Interesting question. I'm not sure I have the answer for it. Um, obviously, last year Dyer was 
breath of fresh air in that position. The way he filled in for the fullbacks when the fullbacks went up was something I don't think Wanyama does so well. Um, I do think we miss it at times. Um, I think, honestly, at the moment, at this point in his career, Dyer's best position is what he's doing as a utility player. He can fill in at the back. He can fill in in midfield. There's certain games where he's better off sitting in midfield. Certain games where you can stick him into a back three. and I mean, alongside Vertong and, and Alderweireld, I think he looks better. He's shaky in the week, but I think when he has those two partners next to him, Walker and Rose, I mean, that is a fantastic back five. Yeah, he, he, he's, I don't rate him as a centre-back. I think I've said before that I think he should have his future in midfield. Um, I was I thought it was very notable that uh, on Thursday, when Alderweireld went forward uh, and they ended up scoring their second goal, as soon as I saw Alderweireld move out of defence, I just started thinking, oh, God. <laughs> well, I, I had no confidence in Dyer and Vertonghen to actually deal with any kind of situation. <laughs> And you saw Dyer's attempts to uh, deal with it. Mm. I think Probably. I made a, a Probably. well. I made a yeah. I'm sorry. I made a um, a post. I think in it. I might have been in the match day thread today, uh, where people were criticising Dyer again, and, and and understandably so. Uh, certainly, if you compare his performance as a as a centre back to his performance as a defensive midfielder, uh, there's a clear gap. But I would say that if he's that bad, how is and he's played pretty much every game. How is it possible we have the best defensive record in the Premier League? Because as good as Toby, as great as Toby is, and, and Gan, uh, certainly this season, if Dyer was the liability that everybody believes him to be, opposing teams would have targeted that and we would have shipped a ton of goals. I suppose it's a bit like how I didn't rate Michael Dawson as a centre-back. But when you put him alongside Deadly King, he was really good. But without King, I didn't rate him at all. I think the people that rated Dawson were those sitting in the shelf, weren't they? Got got a ball in there every other game. <laughs> I don't know, much maligned Michael Dawson. I used to be a bit of a fan of him, to be honest. Big, strong guy, won a lot of balls. You know, I, I, you know, he used to get accused quite a lot of hoofing the ball, but a lot of them, you know, he used to play quite a lot of good long-range passes. Don't get me wrong, Alderweireld's a lot better at it, but, you know, he did he did try and create the play from the back and try and find those wing players, so... So, so is Dyer, in fairness, and I, I think we've got to be careful about... <laughs> linking uh, Michael Dawson and Eric Dyer because I don't yeah. think they're particularly similar. No, I mean, they're, they're, they they have different weaknesses. Michael Dawson's weakness being that he couldn't turn at all. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Michael Dawson's definitely an out-and-out centre-back, whereas Dyer's got much more football and ability and, as you say, yeah, he, he can actually use the football. He, he just seems to switch off, though. I mean, it could just be a, a young thing, but he's... He doesn't anticipate like Toby does, which is like Toby's greatest strength. And I don't see Dyer having much of it as a centre-back. I agree. And it's also his temperament as well. I mean, I think you've noticed the more games he's played for us, the worse his temperament has become almost. He seems to have that little switch inside him, a bit like Ali. Um, and he just he just goes. If something goes against him, it's, it's quite hard to get him back on track. Next question is, again, um, an amalgamation. The first person to submit it was original. And the question is around Jensen, around Vincent Jensen. And the, the question from original says, does the panel think if Jensen gets a goal from normal play, he can go on a bit of a goal run this season? Um, and another question was around, is Jensen done? Um, basically saying that if Poch won't play him in some of these games, uh, 
really is there any future for him? And um, no. what I thought was probably the best point that was made is that if Jensen isn't getting the opportunity and anything happens to Harry Kane, we've not we've hurt ourselves by not giving him some more exposure to the Premier League potentially, um, unless unless one sees Son as the direct replacement for Kane. Uh, panel's thoughts on that? Um, I'll, I'll jump in. I mean, I think I think Jansen's done at Spurs. You just have to look at the last few games. If he's not going to bring him on in those situations, then when is he going to bring him on? Um, I think it was quite clear in January, obviously, his agent and Jansen's come out and said that he had this offer from Galatasaray. From from reading between the lines, it looks like the club were quite happy to let him go. Um, he didn't want to go himself. Don't blame him. But I really don't see him having much of a future at Spurs the way it's going at the moment. Um, I think Sun's definitely jumped ahead of him in the pecking order, whether rightly or wrongly. That's the way Poch is looking at it. Um, and it's going to take something quite serious to Harry Kane um, to happen for Janssen to even get a, get a look in at the moment, I think. I'd almost uh, prefer to see the uh, the Lamella as a striker experiment over him, to be honest, at the moment. I mean, my, my view on Janssen is... It's really really difficult to judge a player without seeing him play week in, week out. I mean, I would trust Poch's decision. I think with Poch, he does, as we kind of touched on earlier, like a really settled 11 and doesn't really utilise his squad. If he's got a set 11 he wants to play, he's going to go with that. And so someone like Janssen's going to find it very difficult when he's got a go-to guy, Harry Kane, who's going to play every single game. So he may well be finished. Whether that's his own fault or not, I don't know. But, I mean, from my point of view, I'd love to see him get more minutes. I'd love to see him coming on with 10, 15 minutes to go. You know, get a goal from open play. See if that, that kind of can breed some confidence in him and get him, you know, get him match fit and, you know, potentially score him. But, you know, whilst Poch isn't prepared to either not let him come on or give him one or two minutes, which is a bit pointless, really, you know, then, then, then yeah, he, he's, he's going to find it very difficult to make an impact and become a regular player. But he just doesn't fit the system at all, does he? He just doesn't have the mobility to play as we like to. At least Kane, Kane drops the Kane drops left, Kane drops right. He's also in the box, but he offers so much beyond his goal scoring. Janssen just is so one-dimensional. It's back to goal the whole time, isn't it? Ball into feet, balls into his chest, and that's just not how we play. It's true. Could you think you could fit him in as like a kind of a middle player with potentially two players playing around him, i.e. like a son, and then maybe... Uh, mention of Lamella earlier, or uh, you know, Nkudu just almost playing off him, almost playing like a three up top. Could that suit him if he's more of a focal point? I think I think that would suit him, yes, but <laughs> I just don't think that's how the rest of the squad is suited to play with. We have players that could play off him, but why would you why would you switch your system for someone like Vincent Janssen when you have one of the best strikers in the world to play there already? Absolutely, and I think that's what you can do as well. Stortz, you just, um, I think you recently returned to us from White Hart Lane for the state game. Can you just give us a quick synopsis of the game and how you well, saw it? A brilliant first half. I mean, Stoke, Stoke were awful. And I'd, I don't like falling into this trap because if you've noticed, every single big win we've had at White Hart Lane in the last couple of months, the first thing people say is how bad the opposition have been. And they haven't given us anywhere near enough credit. I think in the last eight games at the lane, we've won all eight, scored 20 plus goals, conceded three. Um, Whoever the opposition is, that is exceptional form. Um, I thought first half, I mean, Kane, Kane was on fire today, wasn't he? Everything was coming off for him, even even when he put that one just past the post. I mean, that was exquisite technique just to hit it where he did. The touch for the alley, alley goal as well, that assist. I mean, he, he offers so much to the team, doesn't he? 
when we have Kane on form like that, anything's possible. Were you at Wembley for the um, the uh, Europa League game? I was indeed, and actually, I think I think we played fairly well. Um, Ali was an idiot; he cost us that, and I think he knows it. And it was interesting to see how Potter reacted to that. Could have gone two ways; he could have punished him publicly, but I'm sure they've had some words internally. Um, but I think ultimately, actually, we we played fairly well. It was one of our best European performances in a while um, with ten men. Um, and we we were unlucky, two two pretty freak goals really, um, to go out. But the damage was done in the away leg, quite honestly. I, I agree. Uh, for all of you guys, uh, red card because you've seen some of the discussion on coys about this. Um, red card, straight red, fair, unfair. Right, absolutely, yep. completely fair. It's one of one of the worst tackles I've seen in a while. It could have been a broken leg, easy. Yeah. Whether or not he meant it is is a different question, but I mean it's an absolute certain red, and I'm very disappointed with him. Well, then, spare at the moment things. He's not in control of his actions or you know or his mindset at the time, isn't he? He's just kind of lost it, flipped, gone really. I think he has gone for the ball. He's not gone for the player. But when you're out of control like that, then you know you've, you've got to take the card and you know hopefully learn from it. That's the exact point. It was red mist. He was going for the ball, but he was so out of control he didn't know where he was putting his leg. He just threw himself at it. I think that's why people, you know, who go into tackles both feet off the ground um, are considered, you know, to get get cards because you can't possibly be in control if both feet are off the ground. Yeah, a spot on. Um, it was just interesting reading some of the comments and certainly some of the um, the questions that came in about that incident uh, over the last two days last two, three days, with people saying that they felt it was harsh. And and I'm absolutely convinced that if that tackle had been on a Spurs player, it had been on Harry Kane, it had been on Deli Alley, uh, those same people would not be defending the opposing player. So I guess that's the, the classic um, sort of home, home spectacles that they're wearing. I think the great example of that is today, Charlie Adam. Everyone mm. remembers these tackles on Vale. Um, look at the reception he got today. <laughs> you think if that had been the opposite way around. He wouldn't be given the exact same uh, abuse to Ali then. Mm-hmm. So, brings us to the next question, um, which I think Sean should go to AC. It seems appropriate. And the question is, will, it's from many different quizzes, will Lamella play again this season? And if he does, is it reasonable to expect him to make a significant positive difference to our top four aspirations? I, I think it will be very useful to have him come back. Uh, obviously, I'm a Lamella fan, so I was always going to say that. But I think it's quite notable that when either Ericsson or Ali are not having a very good game, we haven't really got someone to come in and play in that position. Um, I mean, you, you put you can play Son, obviously, but he's a completely different type of player. He's not going to be that creative for us. Um, and we, you know, you've got Unkadu, who you know rarely plays anyway. But when he does come on, you know, he adds in pace and that sort of thing. But we don't have that sort of Lamella-esque player that you can bring in. And I especially think when you bring in someone like Sissoko on, it shows how much we're missing Lamella. As another Lamella fan, I have to agree. Um, I think the point with Lamella is you just have to look at our away form this season, especially without him. Um, previous few years, we've had we've had very good away form, considering it's not something you'd always associate with Spurs as a club. Um, Lamella offers that different option doesn't he He gets stuck in he runs around he chases he harries he fouls he breaks up play and he's a fantastic option on the break 
whatever people say, he may make the wrong decision sometimes. He doesn't want to shoot. But we definitely miss him in the squad, especially away from home. Um, but to answer the question that was asked, I'm very worried that he won't play again this season. Yeah, and I have the same concern. I agree very much with what AC said about him. But I have the same concern as Stortz that at, at this point, I won't believe it till I see it. It's, it's been going on for so long. It's, it's very similar to his first year, though, isn't it? Where he just mm-hmm. appeared off the radar with various different hip injuries, back injuries. Who knows? The very worrying thing about this one, though, is the fact he was supposedly ill for that first game. He was not available. Then it turned into this injury, and now it's gone on for months and months, and there's very little information coming out of the club on what's actually gone on with him. And do you have confidence in the information that does come out? Of course not. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the club have to inform us as fans. They're well within their rights to keep things. Um, but on, I mean, I don't agree with these nonsense conspiracy stories that are flying around social media. But at the same time, there is something with Lamella that has gone on, and I don't think we're getting the full story. I don't think we we ever will. Do you think that it, there should be a system, and this is not, this just came to my mind only because I was watching something on the NFL where I believe there is some sort of, I'm going to say legal, but pseudo-legal um, requirement for NFL teams to provide accurate injury information on their players. Um, do you think something similar could, should, would work in football? Good question. I mean, my my NFL team, Seattle Seahawks, we were investigated by the league for this. Um, mm-hmm. Richard Sherman had a MCL injury all season. It wasn't reported, um, and there was an investigation which came out as nothing, but at the same time, it was there. I can't decide whether it would work in the Premier League, quite honestly. Um, I'd actually quite welcome other people's thoughts because I'm interested to see if they could see it working. It could work um, from from my point of view, like something, you know, if you wanted to enforce that, you know, I'm sure it's something you could happen. But at the end of the day, I suppose each club's just going to try and manage their staff, manage their, you know, their playing staff as well as they can. And sometimes saying nothing is the right thing for the player. It's the right thing for the manager. It takes the limelight off, takes, you know, um, you know, it just means they can deal with things in the background, be it an injury, be it, you know, a player's maybe not working hard enough and they can kind of deal with it behind closed doors. And I think probably from a kind of, like a performance management and a kind of staff management perspective, it makes a lot of sense not to say anything because then you're not really, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, if you, you're not kind of like have have to go through saying that, he's, you know, with an injury and explain why and how long it's taking because, um, I don't know, I just think it manages the, the players better, really. So there's a, the next one, next question, definitely there is a possibility of you going on a rant, but we'll see. See if you guys cover it for me. Um this was sent by so many people, this question, or variations thereof. Um, the first one in was from uh, Grazza, um, which says, Is the panel worried about having Wembley as our home ground? We seem to struggle to get our game going there, and our opponents revel in a visit. Every game is like an away match, and I can see it being a big struggle next year. So what do you think, Falsight? Obviously, like it does seem like I mean, it is an away ground for the players at the moment. You know, even though they've played you know four or five times there now, um, it's it's not the same as going to your, you know your home dressing room. You, you know, you've got your routine there. You know everything around you. It is going to be different for them. But I think although it might be a disadvantage in the short term, I think over the longer term, once they get used to it, playing on the big stage, playing in front of all those people, 
Um, it's a slightly bigger pitch as well. It can only benefit the, the team and the game. So it's probably one of those things where it's going to take getting used to. Um, but, you know, there will probably be a long term. By the time they adapt to it long term, it'll probably have benefits. And, you know, it'd be great to, to, to if we do get to a cup final in the next couple of years, the goers go, yeah, do you know what? We've played here. This is our ground now. You know, and maybe that could breed confidence in, in a cup final, for example. Extremely worried about it. Um, firstly, on a selfish point of view, I hate going to Wembley. I mean, it's not easy to get to and away and away from for me. But on that side note, I'm actually slightly smug. I mean, before this season, there was the trust is pole, and it was unanimously in favour of going to Wembley next year. I was always in the MK camp. I thought it'd be better for us um, as a stadium. But I think a lot of people before this season were very much in favour of going to Wembley and staying in London. Um, clearly, we've seen we don't know how to handle playing on that occasion. I think if we had been playing our European games at White Hart Lane this season, we'd be still in the Champions League. Um, I'm very confident about that. And unfortunately, now we're out of the Europa, we've got no time left to continue adapting to the stadium. Um, I don't think it's going to be as disastrous as some people think. And I think playing an English team there is going to be different to playing European opposition. Um, but certainly we're going to have to adapt and have to adapt quickly. I think we just need to spend as much of pre-season there as possible, really. Just trying to get used to it. But it's going to be interesting uh, how the Cups games are going to go. I, that's going to be really weird. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Because you're going to have was... like <laughs> third round FA Cup games against like, you know, some lower league team and they're going to Wembley. <laughs> Uh, you're absolutely, I was thinking the same thing. Is it, is it actually unfair to other teams for the FA Cup? Good day out for the fans, though, I would have thought, for the, some of the other clubs, potentially, you know, especially some of the lower league teams. Oh, they'd love it, but I'm thinking of, just like we would whine if, uh, I don't know, Arsenal were playing their home games there, I could see the same thing happening to us. Uh, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder. You know, I was, I was wondering, like, is it Wembley's fault? I don't know, we lost the weight again. As you rightly said earlier, Stoltz, that's where our downfall was. That away game, we were just dreadful. Is it Wembley's fault that Ali got himself sent off? You know, there are people saying, oh, it's the length of the grass means that we're shooting over the bar, but Ghent weren't. It was, it's just, you know, it's just very strange. I think there is, it's one of those things that's a bit of a curate's egg. You know, it's good in parts, this, this theory of Wembley sort of being, um, being anathema to, to our success. I think there's certainly some truth to it, but to blame it for everything has gone a little bit too far. I'm looking forward to the away games with uh, all the fans singing Spurs are on their way to Wembley every single time. <laughs> the, the next question is just asking the panel to um, reflect on a thread that I started, which seemed to cause... I don't know, some kerfuffle, mainly from people who weren't able to read what I'd written. Which I must is, admit, uh, by the way, um, I probably won't have read it. When you start threads, I tend not to go into them. So just as an FYI. Yeah, I tend to ignore your posts. So. Excuse me. Do you need a little bit of a break to get a tissue? <laughs> <laughs> um, the question was, Son, starting lineup or impact sub? And I have to say, I'll start with this because in the thread, I didn't really give my opinion, but I don't know. When he's in the starting lineup, I often think he'd be better coming off the bench. I'd like to have him up my sleeve. And then when he comes off the bench, there are times I think, you know, the way he played, I wish he'd started. So I've got to be honest, I've not got a strong opinion either way on this. How about you guys? Um, I think he's definitely better off the bench as it is. Uh, you see the impact he has when he comes up. When he starts, he's very in and out of the game. He will often pop up with goals but he's quite anonymous 
when he comes off the bench, he has that energy. He lifts us. He's always that little bit different. Um, so for now, I'd definitely keep him coming off the bench. But in terms of Sun, he's one of the few squad players we have where you're happy enough to see him coming on, to see him starting. I'd say we only have about 14, 15 players in the whole squad that are first-team quality that you're happy starting week in, week out, and he's one of them. So it's just in terms of in terms of the squad. I don't know what other people think, but that is certainly our biggest downfall. Absolutely. I think the only position I feel relatively semi-comfortable um, is the goalkeeper backup. Yeah, I mean, Vorm's come in this season, and Vorm is Vorm. We know what he is. He's not Hugo, but he's he's very competent as a backup. He had that yeah. little couple of games at the start of the season, didn't he, where he filled in. Had that really good game against Liverpool, and he, he hasn't let us down this season. Yeah, it was a bit shaky last year. I mean, the Leicester game in the Cup, <laughs> not his finest moment. Um, well, that was the season before last season, wasn't it? Either way, he, he's a great backup to have. I'm pretty happy with goalkeeper, right back, and defensive midfield. I'd say. But the further forward you go in the team, honestly, the, the shakier it gets. I think that's spot on. Yeah. So the, uh, the famous quiz cast quiz mistress, yeah, yes, I did say that, uh, has sent in some questions. I don't know where she gets them from, but um, let's see if the panel can put this one together. So first question she's asked is, uh, she wants to go in order going backwards. As I think last year should be fairly straightforward. But going back, who are the last five Premier League champions? Leicester. Wait, do yep. we have to do them in order? Yep. Okay, so it's Leicester. Mm-hmm. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Man City. Yeah. Yep. Man United. Yes. And then Man City. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. So, the second question from her is the last five teams to finish bottom of the Premier League. Oh, God. The last year was... Villa. Yep. They're getting harder, aren't they? Definitely getting harder. Who was Definitely. the year before? Mm. I think <laughs> it was the year Newcastle went down. No, wait, that was last year. Oh, God. L- London, London thing. Oh, AC, why did you have to mention Newcastle last year? That was... Not what I wanted on my evening. What? <laughs> you know what? You know what happened. Listen, listen. It's just you know you brought up Seahawks. I have to mention something, don't I? <laughs> so is it your London team? I don't know. Queen QPR. Yes. Oh yeah. Welcome to yep. the game. <laughs> <laughs> and then before that, oh, a Welsh team. That's really not narrowing it down very much. Cardiff. Yep. And then before that. Cardiff. The same, the same London team. Yeah. <laughs> and then before that, oh, I'm trying to think. Who can't hear you? Oh, sort of Midlands team. Um, that's a tougher one. Wolves. It was Wolves. Yeah, it was Wolves. Okay. Yeah. Try to make it easier for you. Last five Golden Boots winners. Kane. Yep. Um, do we have to do these in order? Yep. Oh. If you can get, do you know something? Give me any order. I don't care. Okay, Kane, Aguero, Suarez. That's in order. Van. Perfect. I think he was going to say Van Persie. And he would have been right for both the last two. Yeah. Oh. So we're two different teams. Same the last five, yeah. Is that all of them? Yeah, yeah we got it, was, it was Kane, Aguero, Suarez, Van Persie, Van Persie. Nice. Um, okay. Five managers who have won at least eight Manager of the Month awards. At least eight? And you, yeah, there's only five of them who have won at least eight. Wenger. 
Vega, yep. Alex Ferguson. Yep. Mourinho? Probably. No. Oh, really? Allardyce? Nope. God, can you imagine? <laughs> you must be on for the like worst manager of the month. Uh, it's going to be someone really interesting. Harry. Yes, was one of them. Yep. Oh, there we go. He, he got here eight. What well, Moyes? Very good. Ten. Ooh. One more. Um, one more. Uh, Northern Irishman. O'Neill. Oh, yep. Martin O'Neill. Really? Well, yeah. Eight. When did he get those? That Villa side were, were alright, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose it must have just been a lot of Villa bits. And, and this one's tough without somebody old because you guys are all so young. It's going to be harder, more my style. But the, the, there are only five players who've got seven or more red cards in the uh, Premiership. Vieira. Premier League. Vieira, number one. Yep, absolutely. Keane, Roy Keane. Yes, Roy Keane, absolutely. Three more. Is this just Premier League? Yep. One's a striker. Um, Everton Ferguson big, yeah Duncan Ferguson he used to get sent off all the time didn't he <laughs> I don't know what's going wrong with my head today it's because you're hungover blame yeah, it blame don't, <laughs> don't don't do drink kids what about Link oh how could you get that that was oh very good Lee Catton nicely done and one more John Terry? Yeah, this is a centre-back, um, Irish... John O'Shea. Uh, uh, played for Man Richard City Dunn. probably the most. Richard Dunn, yeah. Yes. Nicely, nicely done. Can I say nicely done, or is that really too bad a part? No, you can go for uh, it. Okay. Nicely yeah. done. Uh, yeah, right. I wish you um, hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. I don't want to ask all these questions because they're too good, but... It's kind of a one-word one word answer, but with an explanation. So not too much wavering here. This is a keep-sell question. So it's taking into account um, squad cover, position, age, etc. Of the two players I give you, you have to sell one and keep one. And the question is why? Which one do you keep and sell? And why? Specifically why? And I honestly think each of the pairs they've come up with are excellent, in, in my opinion. So I'm going to start the panel off. We'll start with Farsight. And the rest of you can then leap in and tell him why he's wrong. <laughs> Keep or sell and why Davies and Trippier? Uh, Keep Trippier because I think he's the better of the two of them. He's actually got quite a good final product, final ball. Um, I'd probably sell Davies because he, he's fine. I suppose the argument you could say for him is he can feel him probably better at the centre-back, but I think he's the lesser of the two players. You, you could basically match Ben Davis with anyone in our squad, and I'd sell Ben Davis. So I'm pretty sure my answer is obvious. <laughs> okay, you want to you want to sell Trippier? Got it. <laughs> I am gonna go the other way. I'm gonna sell Trippier and keep Ben Davis. Right, I'm kicking you out of this podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> ben Davis is younger. He's he's more versatile. We also have better players coming through behind Walker, like Kyle Walker-Peters, for instance, than we do on the left side. Um, I don't think Ben Davis is an ideal option. He's much better in a four than a five, but he can play on the, the left side of a three as a centre-back. He's competent at left-back. We're just spoilt with Rose, who's probably the best left-back in the world ever. Um, 
but I think I'd sell Trippy. I think he's reached his peak already. He's not getting any better. Um, yeah, keep Ben. I, I think the problem yeah. is, is he is versatile. I agree, but I'd rather play Michel Vorm at left back than him. So I just, I just don't see why I'd want to keep someone whose versatility is just about him being shit in multiple positions. <laughs> okay. Um, and what I like about these questions, they give us a chance to discuss players that may not have been asked about. But this one, this pair doesn't quite match that. But I think it's going to be interesting when you think about, again, coverage, position and age. Um, Eric Dyer or Jan Vertonghen? To you, AC. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That's a good one, isn't it? Uh, I think based on what we currently have in the squad and not based on the fact of potential and how much I, I like him and I know how much you like him I'd probably keep Vertonghen and sell Dyer I know that's controversial and everyone else is probably going to disagree with me you had to go for that do you know what you had to say that Arthur, because I was about to tear into you for your versatility comment on Ben Davis <laughs> <laughs> but you're going with Vertonghen you've you won that battle <laughs> but I'm going to win the war um, to answer the question I'm keeping Eric Dyer every single time um, age versatility um, potential and I think we could cover the loss of Vertonghen as good as he is he is getting on in age and he's only got another couple of years left at the top for us so and Farsight quite a tough question really I've just been kind of thinking about it I mean I think Vertonghen's going to be the better player for the next couple of years and I think we really need a stable score particularly at centre back um, as we move into the new stadium we've got a lot of transition going on so uh, I think I'm going to go a bit short termist on this and say keep Vertonghen and sell Dyer good as he is Oh, unlucky thoughts. <laughs> so the majority are for selling. So we've sold Davis and we've sold Dyer. Got it. Wait, Prof, what's, you, what's your answer? Oh, no, no, no. He's the question <laughs> asked. Ask, he doesn't get to I, go I in. want his opinion on this one. <laughs> the best you're going to get is a draw. <laughs> I'm, take, I'm taking the point. Wait, do away Prof's count double? I can't. Wouldn't, wouldn't be fair to, to break the uh, or to create a tie that way, I think. Um, but obviously, I'm keeping Dyer, but I'm not going to say that. Oh, I'm going to remember. Um, I will remember this. <laughs> um, no, I would have kept. Uh, I would have kept Trippier and Dyer, I think. And, and that's. I'm a huge Vertonghen fan, especially this year. I mean, sorry, I'm a huge fan of Vertonghen alongside Toby as a partnership. I, I just think it's fantastic. Um, but I just think what Dyer brings squad-wise is too valuable to, to let him go at his age. Um, and, uh, yeah. So the next one, obviously a lot easier than the last one. Not. And we're going to go to Storts for Rose or Walker. Danny. Danny boy. Why? He's just slightly more dynamic. I think he's just he's got a little bit better delivery. He's got a little bit of a shot on him. He's just slightly better defensively. It's very marginal, all of these things. But I think, ultimately, I think Rose is just a better player. AC? Oh. <laughs> I might have to agree with Storts on this one. Get I'm in so man. sorry. <laughs> I am really sorry. I'm, I mean, the Walker's pace is a real addition in our team. So that's what's making me struggle with this one. Um, I, do, I do think... I do think Danny Rose is the better player. Well, it's on the record. I suppose I'm going to say Danny Rose because otherwise we'd be playing Ben Davis. 
and um... <laughs> you've already sold him. You've already sold him. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you would be playing, you know, on the Tongan. But did you sell him as well? I can't remember. No, he kept last okay, Kept for Tongan. Frustrating. Yeah, and no, I agree. Danny Rose, marginally the better player, just about in all areas. Don't get me wrong. I really like Kyle Walker. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just think Rose is slightly better for all the reasons Stuart says. Great credit to the person who created these questions, um, and he asked he asked to remain anonymous for reasons that make no sense to me. But I just really, I just really appreciate the, he's he set out the pairs I think very well. Um, and the next one again, I, I think Farsight going to be interested in your rationale for this. Dembele and Wanyama, which one are you keeping? Well, they're quite different players as well. So uh, you got. Uh-huh. Minded one, and um, you know, kind of quite creative. I think Dim Bailey's shown his worth this season. He glides past players, his strength, he can link up the play well. Wanyama's an absolute beast and probably one of the best defensive midfield players in the league. Um, you could argue Dyer could switch back in, and maybe that's where you, you get him, you know, probably performing a bit better to last year's. I think I'll keep Dem Bailey just about, but it's very, very marginal. And I, I have rated what Wanyama's done this year. I just think he links up the play a bit better. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Um, and only because I think, <clears throat> although we've just solved Dyer, um, if we're just looking at this question on its own, I think Dyer can go back in to replace Wanyama. And I don't think we've got, you know, you could say, you know, Winks, who I obviously really, really like. Um, but I don't think we've got someone who slots in like a Dembele. I'm not sure there's anyone you could buy to replace him either. This is going to come as no surprise to anyone that's been seeing my posts over the few last few months or so. I'm, I'm going to pick Wanyama over Dembele. Mainly because this is a good opportunity. We haven't had it yet for me to rant about Dembele. Um, I just I don't see the influence he has on the team that others do. Um, I think Wanyama's come in and he's solidified that position for us. He basically does the role Dembele should be doing. He's coming forward with the ball far more often than he should be because Dembele won't do it. He won't drive on. Um and we'd have to replace Dembele, but it wouldn't be with a like-for-like replacement. It would be somebody like Harry Winks, who's going to drive the ball forward and keep us ticking over. So I'm going to lose this one again, but I'm going Wanyama. To be fair, it's marginal, isn't it? They're both top players, and they've both been top performances this year, both of them. I think most of these are going to be marginal, if not all, but most of them will be, which is, which is I think, the, the beauty of the questions. Um, and we'll come... I, I just put, I'm put I, there's so many I could choose from on on his list of pairs, but I'm going to go for this one because it just gives a chance to talk about a player that we haven't covered. Um, AC <laughs> Jansen or Sissoko, which one are you keeping? Uh, Jansen. Ah, okay. Why? He's younger. I st- you could still have a striker come out of him. You know, just look at Gabbiadini. He's obviously like scoring absolute crap tons for Southampton. The strikers are an odd entity, really. Meanwhile, Sissoko, he's never going to really improve, I don't think. And he doesn't really suit our play. Do you feel that was a strange purchase? Yes. I mean, forgetting the amount of money, but even just the the type of player that he is compared to the style that we use. I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, we were talking about this in, I think, the last podcast, how we he, he can play the role of lockdown defensive forward. But we don't play him like that. So, you know, whenever we've played the big teams, whoever, 
you know, the, the, the hazards and that sort of player up, up, coming on down that left side. We've not played him, so he's pointless, really, because we seem to bring him on as an attacking influence, but he's not going to be able to do that. He can't shoot. He can't really pass. He just runs at people. How about Stoltz? Painfully, I'd probably agree with him. I just don't like Sissoko. <laughs> um, and you'll find very few that do. He's just not the right player for us, is he? I mean, the price tag doesn't help, but his reputation and just his performances for us, they haven't even been that bad, but he just doesn't offer anything, does he? He's just bland. He's just average. And Janssen, as AC said, at least there's something to work with there at his age. Um, I'm keeping Vinny. And Forsyth? Yeah, three of a kind on this one. Keep Janssen. And Sissoko, I don't know what he brings, really. I think he's almost probably at his peak as well. I don't see a lot of room for improvement. You know, he's always going to be, as you know, as has previously been said, pretty one-dimensional, pretty straightforward. He's never going to link up play. I don't think he's going to be contributing too many goals. And at least, you know, Janssen, you know, there is something to work with there. Um, although, you know, he does need a lot of work into it. OK, well, that about wraps it up. I'll save the rest of those keep-sell questions for the next Coizcast. Um, huge thanks to Stoltz and Farsight, and especially to AC uh, for putting this all together pretty much at the last minute. Um, and thanks to all the Coizers for downloading and listening to this Coizcast. Come on, you Spurs! Come on, you Spurs!